This is episode number 38 with Jason Van Orden. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. I have a special show today for any of you out there who's a thought leader, an expert, a author, a small business owner, an entrepreneur of some sort. I have the guru of online marketing on today. His name is Jason Van Orden. And for over 20 years, he's been helping businesses and people align their values with their goals to get their unique messages out in the world and be profitable and create new revenue streams around whatever it is that they're offering up. So on today's episode, Jason gives so many helpful ways to grow your platform, to position yourself, and to establish yourself as an authority. Jason himself has created multiple successful brands, launched over 60 online courses, has taught more than 10,000 entrepreneurs, and had 8 million downloads of his podcast, which he launched in 2005, and it became one of the top business podcasts in the world, ranking in the iTunes Top 10 Business Podcast for several years. Now, anyone who's in the online marketing world knows Jason Van Orden's name and his expertise. He's highly regarded, and it's really such a pleasure to have had him on the show. I look forward to introducing you to him and all of the great tips that he's going to share with us today. Welcome, Jason. So happy to have you on today. Yeah. Hi, Michelle. I'm glad to be here. So you have helped students and thought leaders build multi-million dollar businesses and helped others become top authors, bloggers, podcasters, and speakers in their field. So many people want help. They have a message they want to put out in the world, but Mm. they're struggling. They, They don't know how to put out what's in their heart because they don't really know the marketing side of it or how to get attention in such a busy, noisy world that we live in right now. So I can't wait to tap into your knowledge on this area. You've been at this since 2003, which is amazing. Um, So, so happy to have you here. But it's always nice for the women listening to just know a little bit more about the guests. So could you start with giving us a little bit about your backstory and why you started doing the work that you do? Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, the first thing that brought me online, and, and I'm, you know, this isn't going to be a long drawn out story, but the first thing that brought me online back in like 2002, 2003, was I was a musician and I had a band and I made music and I wanted to have mm. people actually buy my music and come to my shows. And that's where I first started learning about like, oh, I have a website and an email list and all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I discovered, oh, this marketing stuff, I kind of like it. I'm actually kind of good at it. Um, 
And shortly after that, I, I needed to get out of my engineering job. After three years as an engineer, I was just like, ah, this is not for me. I cannot do the corporate thing and, and kind of struck out uh, on my own a little bit uh, without even quite knowing where I was headed. But uh, within a couple of years of doing that, podcasting showed up on my radar. And uh, you know, I'd been dabbling in a few different uh, business ideas and doing some marketing consulting and stuff. But when podcasting showed up on my radar, and this mm. is like – early 2005, right? So I hadn't, mm. it just barely been around. Like end of 2004 is when at first the technology first arrived. But uh, because I had a background in marketing, I had a background as an engineering technology and I had a background in audio as a musician, wow. I saw kind of this trifecta of like, ooh, there's something here that could really be used for marketing and business and education and thought leadership. And so I put up a website in, you know, to basically one of the very first websites to really in layman's terms say, here's how you launch a, a podcast. Wow. Um, and that caught the attention of a publisher. I was remember sitting at a conference and somebody uh, I can't remember how they contacted me, an email or something that said, Hey, I'm at this conference. Are you here? It was a pod. It was one of the very first podcasting conferences that said, we want to talk to you. And it was wow. a publisher saying, we found your site. We, you know, they saw that Wiley and everybody was rushing to put out podcasting books and they offered to have me write a book as well. And that was one of the, you know, first times I really started branding myself as something online. And that was, you know, foremost business podcasting expert. Um, wow. and I, you know, I gave a very seeing to the explanation there, but you know, this is, this is several months of putting out quality content and, and resources as, as you do when you want to get uh, a solid base of, of positioning as a, as a thought leader online and a platform of people that are, that are following you. Um, now at about that same time, because I wanted to brand myself as a business podcasting expert, I started three different podcasts. Wow. One was just for, oh one was God. just for fun. One was called Gotham Cast. It was about living in New York City because all my friends always ask me, what's that like? That one was like just, you know, lasted like 10, 10 episodes or something. That was like totally for fun just to get my feet wet, figure out all the, the bells and whistles of how it all works. Then one of them was all about podcasting for business. And then another one was with a friend of mine who we had kind of a two-person business mastermind. We'd get on the phone regularly and talk about what we were up to and what was working. And we kind of had, you know, I told him about this podcasting stuff and he's like, why don't we start a podcast and we'll just kind of record our conversations about here's what we're doing online. He was yeah. making money on eBay and I was doing my podcasting stuff. Well, you know, fast forward a couple of years and that podcast took off because it was the first podcast about internet marketing and online business and such things. Now there's, you know, thousands of them. And, uh, uh, it, it gained a really loyal audience. And next thing we knew, we had a coaching and educational business for budding entrepreneurs, basically helping them know how to launch and start a business facilitated on the internet without having to go get an MBA or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became a very, very, very successful business. Um, and I did that for a good solid 12, 13 years. I had that podcast and that business until kind of just, I mean, that's a long time, I think, for any entrepreneur to do to yeah. do something. Yeah. I was kind of ready to move into some other things, which is my last few years where I've been really focused on, on doing consulting um, uh, around thought leadership and helping people get their ideas out there. Because that's what drives me now is like when knowing that when, when I look at the people I helped through Internet Business Mastery through that 13 year podcast and business, it was, mm. you know, not just the freedom of, hey, let me help you start a business so you can quit your job or whatever. But it was when somebody showed up and said, I've got a story to tell. I've got a message. I've got this experience I've been through. I've got this movement I want to start. I've got the, I feel compelled to help this certain population of people. And when there was that drive behind it as well, mm. like that was powerful. And so I just kind of 
made the decision, okay, that's, that's what I want to help now is really make the absolute best information and frameworks and, you know, here's what's working and looking across the board and also based on my experience when it comes to thought leadership, getting recognized for your message, reaching an audience that you want to serve most, and then turning that into, you know, profitable pursuits that are impactful, but also that can pay you really well for your ideas, expertise, story, experiences, and, and so forth. So there's the nutshell of my uh, journey as an online entrepreneur and, and uh, you know, personal brand of, of my own. Um, so much to unpack there. So I just first want to say that I love that you are a musician. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are creatives in some way. So mm, they, right. and they're probably multi-passionate entrepreneurs they have many things that they love to do i saw on sure. your bio you you know you like photography and you were a musician and you know you have a lot of passions and i can relate to that and so i think that's actually one of the struggles that entrepreneurs can have sometime because they can get excited about a lot of different ideas and mm. they also have messages you mentioned you like to help people get their messages out but then there's the the challenge of, I have something that I really want to share with the world, but then there's also what the world needs to hear. So mm. I, I have a few questions that I want to ask you based on what sure. we talked about on the podcasting side too, but let's start with that. So what advice would you give to somebody who, you know, comes to you and they say, hey, you know, I, I'm so passionate about this, what I, a, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever this business concept is, but how do I know if the marketplace even needs or wants this? How do you marry mm. what you want to put out versus what is actually needed? Well, yeah, and that's the trick. It's kind of a nice Venn diagram that you have to land there, right? And yeah. um, I, I love this question because whenever I work with clients, and, and this is whether they're just starting something new or they've been going for years and making seven figures, but they're you know stuck and trying to figure out the next evolution, is that we come back essentially to literally there's a Venn diagram that I show them mm. where it's you on the one side, and I believe you and I have had a couple conversations about this, you on the one side is the one circle, and then the audience you want to serve is on the other side, and there's all these kind of criteria that make up, you know, on the you side, it's your vision and your voice mm. and, and your unique genius that you bring to the table and what kind of legacy you want to create, what kind of lifestyle you want to have. And then the other circle is, you know, this audience you want to serve. What are the pain points that are top of mind for them? What are they actively looking for right now? Because they're waking up thinking about it and going to bed thinking about it. Um, and, and then how, how does what you want to bring to the world and what you have to offer match up and where does those two circles overlap? And right in there is like, well, that's where your ideal brand is a thought leader, your ideal business model um, uh, sits, right? Mm. But it does all have to start with like asking simply, I mean, two simple questions really. And it's kind of a nice little formula. It's like your ideal audience plus their ideal outcome, that is your business model. That is mm. where you want to land. That is what you want to create. So ask yourself first the question, well, who do I want to serve? Who do I feel uniquely equipped to help in terms of what kind of you know demographics, what kind of population? Often I find this is a past version of yourself, right? Mm. You've been through something and now you want to help others go yeah. through it. Not always, but that's often the case in, in, in one way or another. And so it's like knowing like who who do I have an affinity for working for? Who do I or working with? Who do I really understand? Who do I feel driven that I can uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll love like waking up every day trying to figure out ways to solve problems for them? Who do I feel like I cannot empathize with their needs? 
needs as well as what they what they want and what they don't know that they want and what they need but they don't and what they don't know necessarily know that they need like that you can anticipate all those things and then you know you land on like okay this is the population i want to serve it's going to be uh, you know, budding digital photographers who are hobbyists, but now I want to help them actually be semi-professional and pay for their hobby because, you know, it's expensive. And if they could just get a few wedding gigs, then great, bam, like that might be, you know, who you're wanting to help. Or, you know, it might be like, oh, uh, African-American women who have been, high, you know, high-risk pregnancies and there's very few resources for them and there's all kinds of unique things. that, And, and so, bam, like that's who I want to help. And like that was literally, you know, one of my clients in the past mm. that she went through that experience twice. And then she's like, now I want to tell my story. And then, you know, within months, she has a podcast up and women in Oman and Ireland are, are contacting her going, thank God you like showed up and told your story. Yeah. Cause I was feeling really alone in this, uh, yeah. in this, you know, you know, bed rest for months. And like, what do I do? How do I stay fit? How do I take care of my family? I've wow. got all these things. What am I going to do? Right. So like, that's the specificity you want to get with like who you want to serve. And then it's either, you know, both informed by your own experience and intuition and research, but then also talking to these people as much as possible. Go find people who fit in that population. Maybe you know them already. Maybe they're already clients. Maybe they're past clients. Maybe they're just in your circle or sphere. Or maybe you got to go, you know, pound the pavement at some meetups or conferences or online forums, but it's like, get inside their head. Mm. What is the conversation? This is like the key thing right here. What is the conversation already going on inside of their head, right? What is that person thinking? What are they actively looking for? What are the challenges they're running into? Like what's instigating them going, I've got to have this thing. What is the need that's underneath it? Is it about safety? Is it about uh, self-actualization? Is it about belonging? Like that's, you know, even when we buy an iPhone, we're buying the needs to fulfill the needs that it fulfills, right? We're not just Mm. buying like the technology and the pretty thing. I mean, the pretty thing is part of it. Like that's right. like part of you're part of a club. You're part of belonging to the Apple like tribe, right? So it's like knowing what those motivators are through conversation. So your ideal audience plus their ideal outcome, and the better you know those two things, and then can kind of get inside their mind. That's what starts pointing you to that Venn diagram sweet spot in the middle. It's like ah, okay, that's the path I need to go down when it. And then that informs all your decisions. Like, how am I going to reach them? What am I going to sell to them? What am I going to say to them? What's the message? What do they need to hear? You know, you keep coming back to that Venn diagram and and just making sure everything like just lands into that sweet spot. Mm. You know, what's great about that is that, you know, I talked about a lot of people uh, struggle with having too many ideas and trying to narrow it down. And then there are the people who want to be out there helping, but they actually don't know with what. And this actually helps solve for that, too, because they can come to that question of who do I want to serve and why? And yeah, then, start there. Yeah. Start there for sure. So that's so great. Um, you know, when you were talking, um, it just made me a little bit curious, though, because there might be people out there who have an audience and they're in the early stages and they're trying to build and scale. And, you know, there's always this talk about getting people on your mailing list so that you can connect directly and really get to know the pain points so that you can continue to help solve for that. But when you're in the early stages, oftentimes people aren't responding to those inquiries. So how do you connect to that audience that is showing up either every week to read your newsletter or your blog or listen to your podcast or reading your books, but aren't really dialoguing with you yet? How do you get them to communicate so that you can continue to be of service in the way that, you know, inspired you to start what you did in the first place? Right. Um 
Yeah, it, it can be challenging at first, and sometimes there is that period of time of just needing to to get going. But here are some ideas that'll definitely help accelerate. And, and like anybody who's yeah struggling with like getting that piece going, there are you know essentially three different things to look at to see like what the missing puzzle piece might be if if things aren't uh, building you know getting the traction that you want them to. And this is one of the very first things I learned, even as a musician, with in marketing is the three M's of marketing, and that's market, media, and message. Market is the people, the target audience, and we already uh, talked about that. And, and, you know, if you're not getting traction, sometimes it's because you haven't gotten specific with yourself about who you're trying to reach and you're being too general and you're not speaking to a very specific population with a very specific outcome that they want to reach. And you're, you know, you're, oh yeah, this is a message for all women all over the world. They can all benefit. It's like, no, you know, you got to know. And I, I know that that, I think you and I even had a conversation about it can feel very exclusionary sometimes if you're like getting so narrow, yeah. but especially when you're starting out, you kind of have to, because people need to show up and go, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for you, someone to say this to me specifically. And that, you know, that's the kind of resonance you got to go for, especially when there's so much noise online. It's like, you got to cut through the noise. You got to resonate. You got to be relevant by speaking to, uh, and that, that, so that brings to the messaging is that relevance. Um, you know, if, if we show up, like if somebody says, oh, okay, I want to help the photographers with their hobbies and, and, uh, you know, just digital photographers in general. Well, first of all, that's not specific enough. And second of all, um, when it comes to messaging, like you're not being highly relevant to a specific pain point, but if you start a, a, a podcast or a blog or start creating content around, no, I'm going to help you get your first client. So this hobby becomes a paid thing. Now you're getting more specific. And so now you're getting highly relevant. So people who want that thing can go, yes, that's what I want to learn. I've been looking for somebody to uh, share that with me. So, you know, the messaging, that's about the going inside of their head and knowing like what is motivating them. And you got to speak to where they're at now. So often people start creating the content around the solution. Right. And it's like, well, no, you got to speak to the pain. Like they might even not even be aware of your solution yet, or they're swimming in lots of different solutions and don't know which one is right for them. So it's like, first of all, you got to speak to like, here's the pain that I know you're having and here's the outcome I know you want. And now let me help you like understand the misconceptions and the myths and the challenges and I'll answer a few questions and and now I'm going to help you understand that my solution is the best solution right so you know, it, with the the high risk pregnancy, it would be like knowing that language of like, yeah, they're they're stuck in bed and they're worried about taking care of their family and they're worried about the job they might have and they're worried about staying fit and they're worried about just like the viability of their pregnancy. Like, you got to be talking to those things, and then you might be like, oh, I've got this fitness program. Or like, here's how to stay fit when you're in bed for like hours on end in the day, right? So, um, it's uh, so that's the that's the messaging. So, to market, be specific, and and if you're not being specific enough, then that, that's the thing to look at the messaging. So, market message message is, you know, are you speaking to top of mind stuff that, um, you know, you got to meet them where they're at and then you can kind of lead them down the card garden path to where they need to go with your content. And then the other is uh, media or the medium that you're using. And, and that's, you know, obviously you got to show up where they're already um, at and different media are good at getting attention and other ones are tougher at, you know, you know getting um, people's uh, attention. So, um, you know, it's, it's choosing and, you know, that's all we can spend a whole, you know, program just talking about which which media to, to look but you know if you feel pretty strongly you've got the right message and you got the right market then maybe you just need to um you know experiment more and then all of this is experimentation obviously the entrepreneurship is nothing if not like experimentation absolutely but um you know it's it's not just doing one medium and then going oh this isn't working it's like okay great you know what else can you try to make sure you are getting in front of um in front of people um so that's th those are the three things I tell people to kind of start diving into and, and looking at it at a high level to see where the missing piece might be. 
Yeah. And one of the things that I do appreciate you about you, Jason, is that you are not about a formula. You're about really tailoring and creating a framework and using it to become more of who you are, get that message out and to mm. really serve in the most authentic way. So I just want to acknowledge you for that because uh, we got connected through a mutual uh, colleague. And so, like you said, we've talked a couple of times and it's one of the things that keeps coming back to me and even as you're speaking now. So I just want to say that for anyone listening, like this is what Jason's all about. So this is why it's so nice to hear you talking about it in mm. the way that you are. You're giving yeah, frameworks, you. the market, the media, the message, the Venn diagram, right. you know, but again, you're yeah. going back to yourself because I think one of the other challenges is that you have a sense of what you want to put out there, right? You're, you're, you get really clear about who I want to serve and why. That's the passion. That's what motivates you. That's what gets you out of bed every day. That's what excites you. And then when you're in the early stages, then you can get distracted. You start seeing what so-and-so is doing here and there. And then you, the messaging can get confused because then you, you, you know, start second guessing yourself and thinking, oh, well, I like to do that too. And so you really have to keep coming back to yourself. That's what it sounds yes. like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's so easy to get pulled into all the, this is the right way to do it. This is the only way to do it. Hey, this is what worked for me. So it's going to work for you. Like, and all that messaging right. that's just, you know, it's, it's compelling, but then it's also overwhelming and then you lose yourself. That's exactly it. It's like you, you start like, without even realizing it, sacrificing your own like desires of legacy and, and lifestyle or like, here's how I want to show up in the world, or these are the values I want to espouse, or this is the kind of voice I want to have. And so you start sounding like someone else's voice. And yeah, it, so that's a great place to always come back and check in, which is why I always return to that Venn diagram when I start mm. working with someone, no matter where they're at, is they got it. We got to come back and like, let's check back in with your vision. Let's check back in with your voice. Let's check back in with your unique genius. Mm. Okay, great. Now let's look at what you're doing or what you want to do next and, and make sure we find the thing that's actually going to be an aligned strategy for you. Yeah. And this show is really about awakening to your full potential and really owning who you are and why you're here. And so, yeah. And so this is so good because that's, you know, if you're an entrepreneur out there and you have a message, that's really what inspired you to, to start. So it's a, it's great. Now you just mentioned unique genius, focusing, people focusing on their unique genius. And I saw that mm -hmm. actually on one of your Instagram posts. So I'd actually love to talk about that a little bit more. Um, so how do people figure out, you know, you hear this term now zone of genius too. That's mm. very popular. I, somebody probably wrote a book. I don't know which book it came from. If you do, you can credit them. But all I know is that People want to figure that out. And when you're working in that space, it feels so good. So how can people figure out their zone of genius? Like, how do they get clear about, yes, I'm in that space or I'm, do, I'm in my using, focusing on their unique genius. I'll use your words. I like your words. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where that came from originally. I know I, I learned from Dan, uh, Dan Sullivan who runs strategic coach, uh, about unique ability he has a book about that, which is excellent. You know, that's his take on it. I think Gay Hendricks from, uh, the mm. big leap, I think he talks about zone of genius and there's, I, you know, now it's just a, a term that comes up a lot of places, but, um, yeah, my, my definition of, of unique genius is like, you know, those, I mean, it, it is strengths and knowing your strengths and developing those strengths and then knowing your weaknesses and not trying to strengthen your weaknesses, but more just compensating and mitigating for those weaknesses. And then it's also just knowing the circumstances and the environments and the the things that fuel your creativity. And, and what is it that leads you to like be at your best, what I call your authentic best self. 
Um, and there are some really great, uh, so here are three sources that I encourage people to turn to when it comes to kind of defining what their unique genius is and to, um, the, the finished product of all of this that I, I try to lead people to going back to authentic best self is that that physically that looks like a sheet of paper that's like, here are 10 to 15 statements about where you are at your best. Mm-hmm. It's statements like I am at my, you know, I create my greatest value when blank. I am the most fulfilled when blank. I'm my most creative when like, so it's like, yeah, when, and that's everything from like, you know, when you focus on certain kinds of tasks, when you work with certain kinds of people and it's like knowing what those things are and then returning to, you know, by having that sheet of paper, actually looking back and being able to look at them um, regularly and go, oh, I can see why like the last two months have felt like a real slog because I've totally like, you know, forgotten about this and this and this. And I've been working in the wrong ways and focusing on the wrong things. And so, um, but yeah, so to fill in kind of the middle there, three things that I tell people to uh, turn to. One is just trusted advisors, colleagues, friends. We so often discount what we are naturally mm-hmm. uh, good at, what our mm-hmm. strengths are, because they come to us easily. We assume, oh, that's yeah. not valuable. Like we've got this weird thing in our society where it's like, no, value is hard. It's a mm-hmm. slog. It's sweat of our brow. It's got to be a grind. And then we just assume, oh, that's easy to me. must be easy to everyone else. It doesn't have value. And that's one of the most valuable things I've learned over the years is, no, there are things, there are ways I think you know, there's ways I use Google that like people like, what, how did you find it? And I'm like, no, like, I don't know. Like, it's just my brain knows, like, here's the right things to search. And then here's an scan and then click, click. And then, then bam, here's the thing you need. Right. That's part of my unique genius is when somebody presents a problem to me, I've got a database of stuff in my head. It might be a book. It might be a tool online. It might be a quote. It might be a, a tool, whatever. And it's like, here's something I believe will kind of unlock one little bit more towards, or here's a, a, a connection I can make for you. That's just the way I think. And I came to finally realize, oh, not everybody actually thinks that way. Um, uh, in terms of like this database of stuff that like, bam, pull up this thing, hand it over. This is what, you know, you, uh, you need. So, um, when we turn to trusted colleagues and like, you know, I, I encourage people to like, just write a list of half a dozen or 10 people that you've worked with, family, friends, um, you know, a nice variety and just kind of, and just write them a note saying, look, I'm trying to understand like where I, uh, you know, am at my best. And I just love your insights. Like, where do you see me as the most energized? Where, wh- what do you depend on me for? What do you think is me? What do you think are my strengths? And, and then, and that can be really hard to like, ask people mm-hmm. that, but, um, it's pretty amazing to get like 10 of those statements back and then look at it and see some very common threads that show up through all of that, right? And it's being validated by people who are seeing you from the outside, which is often very different than we see ourselves and often sadly closer to the truth. And so uh, that's one of the sources. The other two sources are two assessments. One is StrengthsFinder. Mm. Um, This is by the Gallup organization. They've done a lot of research and they've got 30 different strengths. Um, And you take an assessment, you buy the book, like 15 bucks, you get a code, you take a 20 minute uh, assessment, and then you just read, here are your five strengths and you read the five sections that pertain to your strengths. Um, There are two versions. There's just StrengthsFinder 2.0 is is like, it's a little red book. And then there's one that actually I use with my clients more called Strengths-Based Leadership. Mm. And it's very similar. It's the same 30 strengths. It's the same kind of assessment. But the output of that one is here's how you show up as a leader. Here's how you influence people. Here's how you can. And I think when you're trying to show up as say a thought leader online, it gives you all these insights as to how you create the best value for people, how you influence and lead and what people, you know, are going to best turn to you for. 
Um, so that's one of the assessments. And the second assessment is how the world sees you, which is Sally Hogshead's work. And she yeah. also, based on a lot of research, you buy the book, you take an assessment, takes about 20 minutes. And then she's got these different archetypes based on, you know, these, you've got out of seven, you've got two primary, uh, things and it's like, okay, yeah. How, how do you best show up? What is it that fascinates other people about you? And we all have that that uh, that thing. So when you take these assessments and read the books, and I have my clients like underline phrases that like resonate with them, and then kind of like collate that down and pull out the common elements from the feedback from friends and these two assessments, and that's how you arrive at this authentic best self page of like here are ten to fifteen statements of me at my best. Mm. This is authentically me at my best, most fulfilled, creating the greatest value in the world, uh, making the biggest impact for people in the most authentic, natural way for me, which is going to maximize your growth and. And I think in the end, maximize as an entrepreneur, your profit and potential for opportunity. And uh, so there's some in practical terms, some ways to uh, suss out your, your unique genius and put it into action. I love that. That's so great. Those are great resources. And I'll link those up in the show notes. Um, but OK, so let's say you do know your unique genius. How then do you spend your time? Like should 80% of your time should be spent in that, you know, focused on those tasks and then outsourcing the rest? I'm just always curious about uh, people's, you know, recommendations on time management when it comes to doing your best work. Because when we're in our unique, when we're using and focused on our unique genius, time flies and we feel so fulfilled and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. then we're doing the things that don't come as naturally to us. It's more frustrating and draining. So I'm just curious because I know, and, and also when you're starting out, you know, you can't always outsource a lot of stuff, but I just right. curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, I mean, I think the answer is as close to hundred percent as you can. Now, mm. then there's a the practicality, right? Like you said, when you're first starting out, you only have so many resources, like resources are time, money, and connections, energy. And so you, you have to leverage those the best possible. Now, you know, I think the the first thing is to know, well, what's your baseline? Where are you at right now? And that's mm. all, that's actually something I did. I also learned from Dan Sullivan with his um, – and he's actually the one in his Unique Ability book that I got that reach out to, to friends and colleagues um, exercise from. And one of the things when I went through his program many years back, it was, uh, you know, for entrepreneurs, was he had us do an activity inventory. Of like here's – you know, track all the stuff that you do over a couple of weeks. And then you also have to kind of think over like on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis a little bit. And then like get some actual estimates. Like what on average, what kind of percentage of my time do I spend in my unique genius every mm. week? And it might only be 30%. And that's not to like be discouraged because you're like, well, Jason said it should be as close to 100% as possible. <laughs> 30% actually might be pretty darn good for where you're at right now. But then you can know it's like, okay, great. Well, now I can look at my activity inventory and put it through the lens of my uh, unique genius. And there's some things that you can just say, I'm not going to do those anymore. Why am I doing them? Oh, because somebody told me I should be doing them. Okay. Yeah. Now I know better, not going to do it anymore. Now then there's going to be other things where it's like, okay, yeah, I'd rather not be doing this, but I don't have the resources yet to outsource it, but it's still pretty critical. So I'm going to do it the best I can. And that's, you know, that's the way it's going to be. Um, but you know, you're just always trying to maximize. And if you have an inventory and a baseline, well, then you can start, you know, getting rid of, especially, I mean, look first at the things where it's like, well, if you, if they, if they're critical and first, like, what can you eliminate? But then it's like, okay, it's got to still be done. Let's say like your books for your business. Like that was one of the first thing I got rid of, right? Like, it's like, okay, so I'm going to make them, I just know I'm going to make a mess if I try to do my own, my own, uh, my own finances and books and my business. Mm. In fact, I'm going to make it worse rather than I'm not going to be able to do like a baseline good job at it. So like, (laughs) that was one of the first things 
that I got rid of. So you can kind of do that. It's like, okay, where do I just make it? It's got to be done, but I'm going to make a total mess of it if I do. And so, and it, or it's just going to be such a drain on me. It's just, it's like, it's actually costing me in the end. It's like, well, start there getting rid of, rid of things off of your plate. And then the, the hardest ones to get rid of are the ones where, what Dan Sullivan calls are the excellence trap. And that's where it's like, well, you do them pretty well and maybe mm. even at above average. And I'll give you an example. Like I was an engineer. I was a software engineer. I, I know how to go and tweak the code on my website. Mm. And sometimes I can go down a real rabbit hole going like, ooh, what if I made the margin a little more like, ooh, let me try this. Ooh, that might be cool. Oh, this plugin looks like fun, right? And it's like, but that is not you know, okay, giving myself, it's like maybe for funsies, if I really want to, it's like, okay, I'm gonna allow myself an hour to play around with this stuff because it's been a while. That's one thing. But like to get sucked into that when I know very well, that's not my unique genius. And I could outsource it to somebody, you know, especially in the Philippines or something for, you know, and pay them actually really quite well living for them and not have it on my plate. Like that's, you know, that's a good example of excellence trap. I could do it. I can do it above average, but I should not be doing it. So, and those are usually the last things to go, but they're also the ones that are the most easiest to like hold on to for the longest without mm. realizing that you're doing them. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's some ideas then about how to like actually start messing with your, your time and your productivity and, and staying within your, your unique genius as much as possible. Yeah. I love that. And you can, I love the idea of tracking it too, and just seeing day to day and, you know, even maybe just noting your energy level by the end of the day and how you're feeling and then looking at, where you were, how, what percentage of your time you were in your unique genius and what you, when you weren't, and then slowly, you know, shifting that as you get more resources and um, uh, funds maybe to outsource some of the other stuff. So that's great. Right. Um, right. All right. So Jason, we've talked a lot about the foundational part, the positioning, you know, how to get clear on your messaging and who your market is and who you serve and why. But as you know, so you started in 2003 and your podcast launched in 2005. Today's marketplace is so noisy. So what advice do you give to entrepreneurs out there who, you know, want to build their platform and want to be connecting with the people who they believe would really benefit from their message? Where do they start? You know, there's a lot of different ways to start building that platform and get attention and, and so forth. It's... Um, so you might as well do ones that like actually, again, fit your unique genius or what you enjoy, right? So like clearly you enjoy doing a podcast. Other people might not. They might be better at writing. They might like, or, you know, some people might be like, hey, I just love turning on the video and drawing a diagram like I'm a teacher in a classroom because that feels good to me. So it's like knowing, that's one thing I always emphasize because people show up and like, hey, well, just tell me what, what's hot right now. What's working in social media? Let's do that. It's like, mm, Okay, sure, you might want to be informed by that, but like, it's no good to try to force yourself to do something that just doesn't feel natural to your voice and your message and who you're trying to reach, right? So I just want to put that out there first. Now, beyond that, it's about experimenting. And so I'd say, you know, if there's a couple of different channels that feel good to you, like pick one or two and just really double down and do it for a good 60, 90 days and kind of see what tra traction starts coming out of it. Now, on top of that, though, I'd say, when you're trying to get attention, there are certain channels that are great at getting attention and others that are going to be slower. Um, and the speed at which you get attention is going to depend on what kind of resources you can inject into that whole effort. And by resources, I go back to, this is uh, my friend, Michael Roderick. Um, this is something I learned um, from him. He, he also works with a lot of people around networking and, and 
thought leadership and your ideas. And he said, you basically have three resources, time, money, and connections. And you're going to have to like use at least one of those. And at, at any given time, you can like ask yourself, which one of those do I have the most mm-hmm. of? And a lot of times when people are trying starting out, it's like, well, they don't, you know, unless you're funded or you happen to be coming out of a successful career with some savings or I don't know, whatever, you're like, you're probably not going to have a lot of fun. So what do you have? Well, you have time and maybe connections. So you know, that's where, you know, I, I, sometimes I, you know, I see people, you know, they start blogging on their own site. That's not going to get you attention very quickly. You're going to be putting a lot of time in and that's mm-hmm. fine if that's the resource you have. But it's like now these days, just starting a blog and blogging on your own site, that's going to be a slow slog. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, where can I get published where people are already showing up? And that might be on social media. If there's a social media channel that resonates with you to try, um, you know, if you already use Instagram or Facebook a, a lot, then like really double down on that for a while and get good and experiment with, with uh, you know, different techniques for getting attention there. Social media can be great for getting attention quickly. Um, and it's usually going to be, unless you get into advertising, it's, you know, that is going to be more time intensive, but it is a way to definitely seed the seed things when it comes to building your um, your your platform. Um, I mean, I think s- something like starting a, a podcast can can be great as well. And something you and I talked about is that these days, if all you do is start a podcast and just put it in iTunes, it's like, well, iTunes has become very, very, very crowded with a lot of podcasts, and yeah. sadly has not adapted to giving more quote unquote shelf space to a variety of shows. There's like the top ones in each category that get most of the billing, and so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so what are you going to do with your podcast to repurpose it through other channels or to promote it through social media or to, you know, get word of mouth going around your or get people sharing that that um, that content. So you got to be thinking about what resources and what kind of uh, velocity of the different uh, um, uh, of the different media that you uh, could choose. The fast and most one is going to if you do have money to start injecting it into something like um, you know Facebook ads or like advertising is always going to be one of the fastest ways to start mm-hmm. getting attention. Uh, the problem there is that you can sink a lot of money into it very quickly, and if you're not ready to like be charging money to hopefully recoup that, you know, you want to get to where it's like, oh, yeah, I can pay $5 to get a lead. And then, you know, after so many leads, somebody becomes a client or a Mm -hmm. student and I make that money back plus some. But a lot of people aren't there when they're first starting out. So it is going to be consistency. So that's why you got to show up, pick something that you're actually naturally inclined to want to do um, uh, and, and do it consistently for 60 to 90 days and just choose one, maybe two that you really double down on. Um, and, uh, and, and see what kind of, uh, traction you can get going there. I know there's no like specific, specific answer in that I'm going like, Oh my gosh, Instagram, it's all about Instagram right now. This is, again, it's more (laughs) framework style because that's ultimately what's going to work best for people is, uh, you know, when, when they can be consistent with something that they'll, they'll enjoy showing up with and and doing everything. Yeah. And it's kind of a loaded question because, you know, it is such a busy, oversaturated market now and everyone's, you know, doing their own thing. So, and you're not all about the formulas. So I liked what you shared though. It's, you know, pick something or do the ads and try it for 60 and 90 days and see what kind of traction you get. Let me just ask a follow on to that though, because, you know, let's say you have an, uh, uh, a giveaway or a lead magnet on your website and you're inviting people to it. How long do you keep it up there if it's not converting that much? You know, is mm. it is it 90 days? And then you're like, well, nobody's really signing up. Let me try something else. You know, because I think a lot of you people know, uh, yeah, struggle I think, with this. I think, 
I think you know a lot faster than that. And actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is that is a key thing to do. Whichever the channels you start experimenting with is you got to get something that's super, super enticing to people. And again, this goes back to enter the conversation already going on in their mind. So what is the pain point that what is the language they use to describe that pain point? What are they um, you know, don't come out with some lead magnet about a solution that people might may or may not be aware of um, yet. Like, for instance, uh, I'll give a quick example on that. Ten years ago, let's say you were a paleo coach and like paleo wasn't like widely understood and known around like you would have needed to come out first with a messaging around um, you know, a different way to lose weight or a different way to, right. And like hit that. Mm. Now paleo is enough in the consciousness of people that they're very, you know, specifically people out there like, man, I really want to get this paleo thing going. If I just had a good, you know, coach or 30 day program, like, so now there's actually solution aware of like, no paleo is the thing I want to do. I just need somebody to help me to do paleo. So you got to know, like, are they, are they more just on the end of just being aware of the pain and trying to understand the problem. So come up with a lead magnet that's going to help them that empathizes with the pain that helps them understand the problem or are they already aware of the solution? And so now you can come out with the tool. It's like, well, here's my checklist to help you with the solution. So mm. enter the conversation already going on in their mind and come up with some really enticing case study checklist tool um, you know, create the kind of thing that other people might even charge some money for and, and go out there and see um you know, if that, uh, yeah, if that, that gets attention by, by posting on, on social media and, and even like going out to your network and saying, I mean, I recently created a, a case study around creating your online course and how I created an online course and brought it to market in like three weeks to make money before I even had to make the course. Mm. And that was a really enticing thing for anybody who wanted to make an online course. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, Jason, tell me, how can I make an online course in the next few weeks without all this complicated BS? And it got traction and I was able to tell pretty quickly and starting to put it in social media. It's like, okay, people are opting in for this thing. Um, so no, it doesn't have to wait for 90 days. And that should be an early mm -hmm. part of your content strategies. You got to have that really enticing. Um, I, I mean, email list building should be something that pretty early on you start doing because there's just never a better time than now or yesterday to start doing that. And, um, and not only will something like, you know, this lead magnet, as we call it, be good at snapping people out of their daily stupor and like going, Oh, I'm going to take a second and actually let this through the spam filter my brain and consider it and go, Oh, do I need this thing? And then give up their email and potentially, you know, so, um, you know, you gotta like grab their attention with that thing, but then it also gives that incentive to get them on your, um, email list as, as well. So that's, that's definitely one of the first things you should create is that enticing incentive. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. That's great. Now, there's a theory out there that you only need your thousand true fans. So for people who think they need tens of thousands or a hundred thousand followers or whatever to be serving a marketplace in a meaningful way, um, do you agree with that philosophy of the thousand true fans? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's it's a great concept and there's definitely truth to it. And then it can also be very um uh misunderstood uh, at the same time, but no, there's absolutely, I, and here I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, like to make that even more concrete. Um, okay. So what is it like a thousand, how do you know when you've got a thousand true fans? And again, this isn't a hard, fast rule, but I will tell you, like I've seen, you know, people with email lists of a thousand, 2000 people making some pretty good consistent money. And I've seen people with between 3000 and 4,000 
making a six-figure business, people on their email list, right? Yeah. Not all of those people are always opening. And we all know that, you know, with email marketing, you might have 25%, 30%, you know, open rates. And so I guess if you think of that, it's like, okay, well, 3,000 people and a third of them are opening. Maybe that's your 1,000 true fans. And then, you know, if, if you can get at any good at any given time have a handful of them signing up as clients or buying your course and, and things like that. Um, going back to Internet Business Mastery, I mean, that podcast started making money when we started offering coaching because people were asking for it. Um, Now that was time intensive and it did pay pretty well, but it also was kind of like, you know, fits and starts of like, okay, we could launch it and take on, you know, a handful of coaching people and then we'd have to wait and launch it again. And it was around the time when we'd been going about two years and we had about 3,000, maybe 3,500 people on our email list. And um, we started a membership site. This isn't a pitch to start membership sites because that can Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not the right thing. But point being is that we've actually launched a consistent thing that people could sign up for at any given time when they're showing up to our show and going, oh, I want to buy something. And they wouldn't have to wait a few months to get coaching or whatever. And overnight, like literally overnight when we launched that thing, I mean, again, we've been going for a couple of years with our podcast mm-hmm. and had 3,500 on the email list. Bam, we had a six-figure business because now also we had all these people paying us $100, I think mm-hmm. it was $97 a month for this ongoing um this ongoing thing. And that was only with 3,500 people on the email list. So, you know, there's, there's some, again, not hard, fast numbers, but, you know, in general, I've seen that assuming you're getting the right people on the list and, um, you know, you've been keeping the relationship up with them and earning their trust and all that good stuff on talking to them about the right stuff. But then, you know, there's, there's, there's no reason you can't expect something in that realm to to start working for you. Does that, does that answer the question? It totally does. And it's funny that you mentioned membership because I was just thinking membership sites seem to be the latest thing in vogue right now. Everybody's talking about, oh, you need a membership site. So uh, it sounds like you, you, again, you were ahead of the curve doing that four years Well, ago. here's the interesting thing is like <laughs> membership sites, they were in vogue 10 years ago and then again, five years ago. And then again, right? Like okay. it's not a new business model. It. It's somebody like, just made it popular. <laughs> somebody just like comes out with a program and enough people start talking about it. And then it becomes oh, a thing again. And it's always a very enticing message because it's like passive income, right? right? People sign up and they just keep paying you month after month. Imagine that. And then they fail to mention, it's like, yeah, there's also retention. People stay for three months and then they leave. So right. what are you going to do about that? Right. So, right. Um, not to say again, it can be very powerful business model, but yeah, again, I just, I try to give a balanced look at this stuff because again, yeah. not formulas. I don't want to be here like membership site. Everyone, you got to go do membership yeah. site because maybe, maybe not. No, so. I, that's what, again, that's what I appreciate about you so much. What you said about the membership site, which I think is interesting though, is that you built yours out of a response to the people who were listening to your podcast asking for more. So I think, you know, successful businesses grow organically uh, when there's that, again, that communication with your audience and then f- serving them in the way that they're asking to be served. They they wanted Absolutely. more. And so you created something to solve for that. Right. And let me, let me give a key tip there because I know, yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the, speaking of in vogue, the thing that's long been in vogue there is like, oh, survey your audience and they'll tell you what they want to buy. It's like, mm, kind of. <laughs> and here's why. So now, uh, yeah, absolutely. Ask your audience, talk to your audience. And that's a callback to what I said earlier. It's like, if you know who you want to serve, great, go talk to five, 10 of those people, whatever you got to do. But what you got to do is you got to not, not just survey them and say, 
what's your biggest problem? How can I best help you? Because they probably don't know. Mm, I love that, Jason. You know, they might, or they might be assuming that it's this problem over here that's causing, I mean, think about it. You have a rash and so you go to the doctor and you've probably done your Googling, (laughs) right? And you're like, oh my gosh, this rash, it's probably a, I don't know. Like, you're like, I, I don't know. It's some environmental allergic reaction. I probably have black mold in my house. Oh my gosh. And then go and find out. It's like, no, it's an autoimmune thing. You got to stop eating dairy, right? Or whatever. Like the doctor says, no, here's the actual problem causing your pain. And here's the best solution I think for you. And this is the same thing that, you know, you've got to be, um, you know, thinking about as well for, for yourself and the people that, that you serve. And so, um, you know, it's the classic Ford, right? He said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, right? And he's like, what I, what I ended up doing was making a car. And then they're like, yes, cars. Thank you. <laughs> like they didn't know what they wanted. Now, I'm not saying you have to be like Steve Jobs and foresee the iPhone or Ford and foresee the, you know, the, the car. But um, what you can do is you ask people about their experiences. Mm. What have they tried? What have they done? What are their frustrations? What does it look like when they go to do that thing and it doesn't work? What, what, what have they considered doing? Like what, and what do they think are the biggest problems? And, and then you as the expert, the person who's been there and done that, or that's helped other people or that's done the research or, you know, however you have your, you know, with your unique genius and all that, you're kind of reading the tea leaves and going, ah, okay, I see the unmet need. I keep hearing this challenge coming up. People are fed up of hearing, you know, such and such, um, you know, so I need to come up with a slightly different messaging there. And therefore, now in the case of, you're right, in the case of the podcast, we had people start emailing us and going, do you guys do coaching? Because Mm -hmm. I love your show. And we're like, oh, maybe we should do coaching. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, uh, we can't, you know, I want to sign up for something, but you're not offering coaching right now. Do you have anything for me? And they're like, okay, well we should. And honestly, I don't remember. I mean, this was like 2008, I think when we launched that membership site. Oh, so I don't 10 I years remember. Ago. Okay, yeah. I don't remember why we decided membership site is what it's going to be at that time. But mm. yes, we were listening to our audience, but I just want to give that caveat because it's so easy to like be so literal. And then again, the formula mongers out there, they want to mm-hmm. make it sound like just survey your list and so they'll true. tell you what to make. And it's like, you got to know how to ask the right questions. Don't lead the witness. And it's up to you then to read the tea leaves and know it's like, ah, okay, I, I think I see what they need, but they don't realize that they need and I can make something too. And then again, it's the Venn diagram. It's like, don't get me make a membership site if that doesn't feel good to you and your lifestyle. Or don't go selling coaching if the last thing you want to do is be on the phone with people coaching, right? <laughs> so just because they're asking for it doesn't mean that's what you have to, you got to go back to the Venn diagram and make sure it's in the nice sweet spot. You on the one side, audience on the other, don't, you know, you don't want to violate either of those or else you're going to be trapped by your own success. That's so helpful. Thank you for that. That was so good. And I think people need to hear that because you're right. There's too many people pushing these formulas. Um, you made me think of something, though, when you were talking about that. What if you are very clear about who you want to serve and you're very clear about the pain points and you've nailed down your market, your media and your message, but you actually don't know what you want to sell? <laughs> like you don't mm. really have a business model. I mean, this may be a whole other podcast, um, you know, but is there anything you could offer there? Again, is it just listening and then maybe having it organically develop or? Well, yes, there is some, but at some point you do have to just make a decision. I'm going to, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, like, of course, again, you're going to go out there and then everybody's selling their membership site course is going to tell you, well, yeah, go make a membership site. And then somebody who's like a coaching expert is like, go and sell coaching. And then somebody's going to, and it's like, right. Okay. Well, what's going to work for you now? There is. In general, here is something that I think is is a good approach. Um, it used to be, and you still kind of see this a lot, that people say, "Oh, well, kind of start at the bottom and make that little first, you know, easy thing for people to buy, whether that's an ebook or a little mini course, and sell it for a bit of money." And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe, but 
<clears throat> what I actually say is flip that whole thing on its head and go sell something high end out of the gate. And by high end, I just mean high access to you. Maybe it's consulting, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's a group course where you get four or five or 10 people in your weekly calls through zoom. Maybe it's an in-person workshop, maybe. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, well, actually more than twofold, probably like fivefold. Number one, uh, I actually think it's a lot easier to sell that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, cause people, they, there's always people who are like, yes, I want more access. I want somebody to guide me through this. Now I realize someone listening to this might be, but Jason, I want the business that doesn't require me to have to be in the room and do all the one-on-one work. Great, <laughs> fine. You can get there eventually, but you need to actually be face to face, toe to toe. You got to like get in there yeah. and and work with people more closely. You're going to learn so much about here's what they, again, listening to them. Here's what they want. Here's what they need. Here's how I can refine my process that I thought I had pretty nailed down, but I just realized there's a few holes because you know what, as experts, we start losing, we start forgetting, we, we forget what it's like to be a beginner. And so sometimes we leave things out. And so, and so you almost like can co-create a process by working more closely with people through coaching, consulting workshops or whatever the case, the group, group, uh, program. Um, so start there, refine the process, and then you kind of let everything you learn there trickle down. You can charge more money. So you get more cash in the door, you know, instead of selling a $50 mini e-course, whatever, go charge $500 or a thousand or maybe 5,000, depending on what it is that you do and uh, something more high touch, you get cash in the door faster, which is great to have resources. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot from the people you're working with more closely. You get better results for them, um, which just bolsters you when you're first starting and you need those testimonials and that proof. Um, and then you've kind of, once you've got the process refined, you can go, okay, now I can take my process. And this is what I call your signature process. Um, and you can stick a different wrapper around her, around it. It might be like, okay, this is what I did when I was working with somebody one-on-one. Now what's, what's the version of that look like that is maybe a digital course that's maybe facilitated by them sending me on occasion, like a, a worksheet they fill out and I just look over it. So it's a lot more time, you know, time effective for you, but you can still help more people. Right. So then it's like, then you can change the wrapper that you put around your process. Once you've got the cash and the testimonials and you've proven that people want to buy it and, and then, you know, let that trickle down to like eventually getting to that digital course that sells on autopilot or, um, whatever you, you, you eventually figure out that people, um, want. So I, I think that's the way to go is, is start at that top down model, I guess you could say, and, and, and just kind of iterate through it in that way. It's genius. I love that. Love it. That's so good. And nobody's saying that. So I also love that too. This is again, why I love to say things that nobody is saying. Yeah, I love that. When they're true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is so helpful because again, we don't all need formulas. We are unique and we have unique genius and we need to put our work out in the world that feels authentic and be able to serve. That's really what we're here to do as entrepreneurs. We want to be in service. So can you please leave the women listening with your three best tips on how to create their thought leadership? Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to kind of be a review, but it's in a, and these things might sound so simple, but I'll tell you what, like, again, I work with people who have established businesses and we still come back to these things, you know, cause they'll, you just, you just drift from them. And it, number one, know who you're, who you want to serve, know who you're serving, know what, what outcome you're getting, what outcome they want, what you can, how you can best, you know, serve them. So that's just like, everything's got to start there. It's so easy to be like, what's my topic? What's my product? What's my solution? What? Nope. It's about, 
who are you serving and what outcome? Because that's what they're buying. They're buying the fulfillment of their needs. So that's number one thing out of, out of the three. Number two thing is, you know what? Get to selling as quickly as possible. It's really easy to kind of like, yeah, I'm going to start my blog and I'm going to post some stuff on social media. And it, okay, great. Yeah, be playing around with that and starting to build your following. Mm-hmm. But like, why spend two years futzing around with that and building your audience to finally go, okay. I mean, I know I said I had my podcast for two years way back when before we sold the coaching to them. I would not do that if I went like now I'd be like, great. This podcast is getting an audience. We've got 200 people listening. I'm going to go sell something to them because that's what you're here for. And like, not because it's like just money grabbing, pull money off the table. It's because, well, guess what? When you exchange value with people, that's when you have a chance to impact their lives. That's when you know that you, what you're offering is a value. And that's where you can, as entrepreneur, get to that point of like, oh, okay, I see what my offer is. So you got to get to like something to sell. And again, why not just start with something a little bit higher end, like more direct. And even if it's, you know, one-on-one for now, and later you can get to the more scalable stuff great, just go and sell, like get one client to do something with, pay you something to get to that outcome and just prove to yourself, yes, people will pay for this thing that I'm offering. So that's number two, get to the selling. Um, and then number three is just, uh, you know, this goes back to the, the you side of the, the, um, diagram. It's just really lean into being you, your voice, like no, I mean, we've thrown out a lot of words like authentic best self and unique genius Mm -hmm. and, you know, play around with your voice. There's a wonderful book by uh, by Todd Henry called "Louder Than Words." It's 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 a framework for finding your voice. It's fantastic. You know, he he has a podcast for creatives, but it is like you said, entrepreneurs are creatives, and it's like, yeah, how there's so much noise on the internet. The only way that you're going to stand out is like. This is what I call the, this is a reference to Spinal Tap, the movie, turn it up to 11. I don't know if anybody's seen that movie. It's the guitar amplifier that goes to 11 instead of 10. Uh-huh. Fine. What is it about you that you're going to turn up to 11? Doesn't mean you have to be the funniest person. Doesn't have to be, maybe you're like, maybe you're the person who just like, whatever. There's there's something about your voice, the way you talk or the things or the confessions you make or just your personality or like lean into that stuff. Cause there's just way too much, a sea of sameness out there. Uh-huh. And you don't want to drown in that. So just like lean into you. And speaking of experimentation, just con- one of the best things I did last year was I spent like, this was an experiment. It was like 60 days writing an email every single day to my list. And one of the reasons I did that was to, as a challenge to myself, but it was to find my voice. It forced me to just like iterate and tell all these different stories. And I was just like pulling from any aspect of my life just to have something to talk about on my email list. And I've gotten better feedback about that like period of time than just about any time creating content for like 13, 14, 15 years online. And they're just like, wow, Jason, like, yeah, you're finding your voice like never before. So lean into that because that's what's going to help you stand stand out. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation. I know it's going to be so, so helpful for the women entrepreneurs out there who want to get their voice out in the world and be of service in the way that's in their heart to do so. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much. I, was, I appreciate having that opportunity. As you can probably tell, I love talking about this stuff. So it's, it's been a pleasure. And thanks for inviting me to come on the show. Well, I need to direct people to where they can learn more about you and your work, because I'm sure people are going to be curious. So where can I direct them, Jason? Yeah, you can go to jasonvanorden.com is my website. Uh, certainly, I'd love to invite anybody who's resonated with any of this stuff to sign up for my newsletter. And that's always where I announce my latest you know, content and, and things that are going on there. Um, as you know, I'm hoping to get some uh, new podcasts out in the in the future. I've kind of have been on a hiatus from podcasting for a while, so you know that'd be the place to learn about that when that's uh, when that's all ready to go. But yeah, it's, uh, dive into these themes of thought leadership um, um, through my email list is where where it all happens first. So that's the best place to be at jasonvanorden.com. Thank you, and I'll definitely link everything up in the show notes. So such a pleasure to have your time today. Thank you, Jason. 
Thanks, Michelle. I really love the tips that Jason shared today and hope that you did as well. I'd love to continue the conversation over at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 038, where you can access all of the show notes from today, but also leave a comment. What resonated with you and what was your key takeaway from today's show? Thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now. Bye.